If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, that's a big O no. Thankfully, for all your car's big O no's, there's always a big O yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. Welcome to Sports BKC, presented by Big O Tires. It's Thursday, January 23rd, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs and Super Bowl today with Vahe Gregorian and Herbie Teope in a conversation that started as a Facebook Live. It's really our first look at the Super Bowl opponent, the San Francisco 49ers. Herbie breaks down how the Niners got to the Super Bowl after a 4-12 record last season. Vahe dives into a slice of Andy Reid's background, his years as an assistant coach at San Francisco State. Here you go. Hope you enjoy. We are at, uh, at Big O Tires, 13521 Madison Avenue, just off 135th Street. If you're coming from the Kansas side, off of Highway 150, if you're coming from the Missouri side. So we are here today talking cheese with Herbie Teope. Good to see you, Herbie. Good morning, Blair. Good morning, guys. With Vahe hey, Gregorian. Hi, Blair. Good to see you, my friend. Too. We are uh, Samless today. <laughs> you may have noticed, just the three of us here. We've got uh, Sam McDowell on assignment, and Sam Melger is just out for personal reasons, and we, uh, our thoughts are with Sam, and hope to, we'll see him in Miami next week. And I'll see you guys in Miami next week, because you know who else is in Miami next week? I don't know who. Um, why are we going to Miami? What's in Miami? Um, um. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. That has not been said in 50 years, and we're happy to say it. And how about that? Um, we talked about it after the game, after they beat the Tennessee Titans on on uh, Sunday for the AFC Championship. But we're going to talk – we're going to not look back. I think time for looking back is finished. We're going to look ahead now to the – the matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. We didn't talk much about that. We didn't get a chance to really at the, um, at the Facebook Live after the, the AFC title game. So let's kind of take a first look at the matchup and what the Chiefs are going to confront in the San Francisco 49ers. It's, uh, it's a team that obviously they didn't play during the regular season, unlike the two they, they faced in the, in, the, in the postseason, the AFC playoffs. They did see him in the preseason, preseason game three, but... Means a lot there. It does. Well, uh, well, the fact that it was preseason game three and not one, two, or four Correct. Okay. means they... Good point. Some starters played a little longer than they would have. And, I, and who was it? One of the players, I think it was Mahomes brought that up yesterday, that look, played him in the preseason, and we, we, so we have a little bit of film on that. So It, it is funny, though, thinking, thinking this through, right? The Chiefs' path here was against teams they'd lost to in the regular season. And of course, this doesn't count in anywhere near the same way. But it, it's it's probably still rare to have at least had a shadow boxing opportunity against the team that you're playing in the Super Bowl. And what is really derived from that, I don't know. I mean, it it, it one thing we do know is that the defense was nowhere near being formed as it is now with the right. Chiefs. And again, we wouldn't have really felt that in the in the preseason anyway. But but certainly San Francisco will be seeing something entirely different that way. What I don't know about the 49ers is 
how radically different their evolution might have been since the preseason as opposed to the Chiefs' defense. I, I don't know, Herbie, what, what you would say is, you know, really come into, um, you know, tangible form for the 49ers in a different way than might have been anticipated. I don't, I don't know what that would be exactly. I, I think, like, especially with preseason games, and Blair mentioned this, it, it was the third preseason game, but most of the play calls in August are pretty vanilla. What coaches want to see during the preseason in that third game is to get their starters extended action because they typically do not play in that fourth game. So get their legs under them and set them up for the regular season. And is it true, by the way, when coaches say this, do they mean it that there's no scouting, there's no real you're – not, you're not creating a game plan for the other team in the preseason. It's not like you're contouring it to, to them. They might script a few plays because they want to see something specific from their offense or even their defense, but that, I think – from my experience from covering the Chiefs and the Saints and then back on the Chiefs beat, I, I think that, that does hold true. They're not going to go a full-out game plan, but at the same time, it gives you an idea of their personnel. Now, granted, Vahe nailed it. The Chiefs' defense has evolved as the season has progressed, and I think what sets them up well, especially against this 49ers team, is what they're going to be facing in the Super Bowl. They had a good test against Derrick Henry, and wow, wow, they're going to need that against this 49ers offense that over the course of two playoff games has rushed for 400-plus rushing yards. And they don't do it with just one guy. They do it with three. They got Coleman back there. You've got um, Mostert back there. You, you've got Brita. Brita back there. And then all three running backs rushed for 500-plus yards this past season. 49ers scored 23 rushing touchdowns. That trio combined for 15. And there's a test there. Well, you made this point just now a little bit, but also in what you wrote in today's paper and online. Um, a thing that's kind of interesting is that difference in how the running games work for the two teams. And I, I wouldn't want to oversimplify what Tennessee brought to the table with Derrick Henry. I, I, we talked about this. I, I liked watching Tennessee play. I, there, there's there's a intricacy to what we think looks just, you know, like, okay, we're going to plow. At the same time, Derrick Henry was pretty much the guy the Chiefs could fixate on, right? I mean, obviously you couldn't. One style. Oh, it was basically one style. Yeah. Now, this is a little bit different, right? It's sort of a, a, a Swiss Army knife in a way. One of the things that I, from talking to the players in the locker room yesterday, Tyron Matthew says that the 49ers have a dynamic running game, but he wanted to point out that all three of those running backs are running 4-3, 4-4-40-yard dash speed. Uh, Damone Harris tells me Derrick Henry was a traditional power-type running back, but these guys are all speed demons. And, and he's right because you, you hit a, they hit a crease, they're gone. And Matthew was saying the same exact thing there. If they see a crease, they're gone. Uh, or as he says, they're going to hit their heads on the goal post because they're crossing the goal line. So you got to look out for that. That's always, always a danger. It was always harder when the goal post was at the front of the end zone. But yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a challenge. But I think the way that the Chiefs' defense has evolved over the last second or the second half of the season, they should be well prepared. You know, Daniel Sorensen says, hey, stopping the run is stopping the run. And that's all they got to do. Well, Coleman suffered an injury, I think, in the NFC title. Dislocated shoulder. So Correct. What is Shanahan saying? Kyle Shanahan saying about his availability? Kyle Shanahan. He talked to the San Francisco reporters on Monday, and he said, "Hey, he should be okay. Don't quote me on that, but he should be okay." And I think with the extra week to rehabilitate him, basically, he said he suffered a lethal weapon type shoulder separation. So if you think of Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon, they were able to <laughs> pop it back in, and that's basically what it was. But um. 
Yeah, if he's ready to go, they're going to face a full complement of what the 49ers will throw at offenses. The Seattle Seahawks couldn't stop them. The Packers couldn't stop them. Again, 400-plus yards on the ground in the past two playoff games. So why, why were the Chiefs able to hold Derrick Henry to 69 rushing yards last Sunday? Look, Henry had 62 in the first half, um, and then the Chiefs took the lead. And I think Tennessee got away a little bit from – they absolutely, absolutely got away from Derrick Henry in the second half. He might have been on pace for a 100-yard-plus rushing game had, he, had, had Tennessee continued to, its game plan. But I thought the Chiefs did a pretty good job of holding on to the ball, drives, possession time, and they were able to keep Henry um, kind of – as a non-factor, I don't. You can't count on that in the Super Bowl, can you? No, I don't think you can. What's interesting about the Henry thing is, you know, the Chiefs ultimately flipped the script, right? I mean, we we sort of thought of Henry as a guy, and the numbers probably bear it out. Who, yeah, you might hold him hold him up for a little while in the first half, and he's just going to, you know, grind you down by the second half, and he'll still have something left. I think he only had three carries in the second half yeah. for seven yards. So I think, Blair, that reflected a sort of a change in dynamic of the game. The, the pivot, there were a lot of pivot points in every game, but one of the huge ones was when the Chiefs failed to score at the start of the second half right, with that first yeah. drive. Tyree Kills dropped on that, I think. Mm-hmm. He did, right. And then you sort of thought, this is still anybody's game from that. And then Tennessee had to, had to punt. I can't remember um, what, how long that drive lasted, but I think at that point, the Chiefs then scored, yes. and then, then it was all bets were kind of off. I think Tennessee might have gotten out of its game plan a little sooner than it should have. I know in the game there was a big third-and-one stop of Henry forcing a punt, and I just thought that, that, that was one defensive play that said, okay, the Chiefs defense was here to, you know, to stop Derrick Henry. And another play, I guess, maybe it was at the end of that first drive. Now it, it occurs to me, it might have been the, the Sorensen um, hit on uh, – crunching of, of Tannehill, yeah. which was kind of a, a, a bigger moment maybe than I, I thought of it as in it as it happened. I mean, it, it, it was a sort of statement hit and ended a drive, and so those two are pretty big plays, Blair. And then to that point, I think, like, the difference this time around from Week 10, the Chiefs defense set the tone. And they, they gang-tackled him. They, were, they mm-hmm. swarmed to the they football. Did. They maintained their gap integrity, their gap responsibilities, and that's how they were able to stop him. And then also extending the lead. I think t- I agree with you. The Titans did get out of their typical, let's ground it out. We don't care if we're behind. We're sticking with tre- uh, Derrick Henry. They did get away from that. Okay, I got a lot of thoughts about um, I'll, I'll say this briefly. In the preseason game, Mahomes played two series. Um, they, he had a 62-yard touchdown pass to Damian Williams, a short pass that Williams turned into a, a long touchdown run. And on the second drive, field goal. After that, Mahomes was out of the game. So he left the game with a 10-7 to lead. And the 49ers went on to win the game, uh, the preseason game. But while Mahomes was on the field, when it was ones against ones, it was uh, the Chiefs ended up winning or leading 10 to 7 when that, when that was over. Um, the thing about the 49ers, Herbie, that really uh, impresses me is uh, uh, Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo had a 400 yard passing game this year against the Arizona Cardinals, which, whose defense I respect. And then in the NFC title game against the Packers, he's six for eight. And they rushed for, whatever, 270 yards or something. So I, that 
shows me that they are not a one-trick pony. They can do it both ways, uh, and, and that's pretty impressive. They have a lot of weapons on offense outside of the trio running backs that we talked about. You, you got Debo Samuels over there. You yep. got George Kittle, the all-pro tight end, who made the all-pro list over Travis Kelsey. Yep. And you've got Emmanuel Sa Sanders, Sanders back there, too. So you got, you've got some very good offensive weapons in San Francisco, but Kyle Shanahan loves to run the football. And, you know, what sets this game up to me is because you saw this against the Titans, you know they're going to run the football. And I think Tannehill was pretty effective early in the game with play action before the Chiefs clamped down. And that's something they're going to have to be aware of here because you know Garoppolo and the 49ers have a lot more receiving weapons than what the Titans have. You know, it's funny, you made me think of this, but Andy Reid yesterday was asked, I think, the question was something to the effect of, have we seen the end of the, the running game in terms of what, I think it was related to Andy's offense, and Andy made the point that football's still football in the sense that you try to play to your strengths and play to the opponent's weaknesses, and every week that shapes up a little differently, and it's not as extreme with the Chiefs, but we've certainly seen the Chiefs get into modes where you know, they've passed less, they've, they've, they've you know, depending on how the, the game is unfolded. And I don't think there'll be any uh, um, <laughs> sort of guardrails on Patrick in, in the Super no. Bowl, but, but I also think they, won't, they don't want to be predictable. And it, the first half will dictate a little bit of how they play in the second half. They, they certainly were able to play a complementary style of football at times this year that we haven't really seen them be able to do something that dictates how you play on offense as much as you do on defense. I want to say one more thing about previous meetings between these teams. We'll get to some of your questions here. Uh, in the regular season game last season, um, when, when the Chiefs ended up winning, it was 38 to 27. Uh, the Chiefs had five touchdowns on five first half possessions. It was remarkable. And you remember one of them. We all remember one of them pretty distinctly. Well, if you don't remember it, um, there's some video out there. There's also, I think, a 2,000-word, maybe 2,500-word Sam Mellinger column on just that play, um, which, of course, in its context. Um, but I think Patrick ran 64 yards on his 27-yard touchdown run the other day. Yeah. But I think he might have run even a far greater distance on the pass he threw to Chris Conley in the corner of the end zone that we'd seen sort of versions of kind of like whoa plays out of him before, but that might have been one of the very first that people were going to say that, that's, that's going to be on his forever highlight reel. Yeah. Uh, it was among them, among the first half dozen anyway. It was an amazing play, and whereas we ran 64 yards last week to cover 27, you know, he had to cover 27 to get, you know, it was a running play. This one was all behind the line of scrimmage, you yeah. know, whatever, however many yards he ran um, uh, to complete the pass to Conley. Uh, the other thing, though, the, the 49ers had two, I think it was two first-half touchdowns, or at least two touchdowns at some point in the game where the coverage was busted. The, uh, I, think, I think it was Kittle one, one time was just wide open, and another time another 49er player just wide open. No Chiefs defender within sight of, of the receiver here, which gets me thinking, Shanahan, he's got a pretty good offensive mind. They, they, can, they can fool you, deceive you. You can play quick and call some plays. Remember, Andy Reid has been comp very highly. Com I mean, he's typically complimentary of the opposing team. You're looking forward to the challenge, etc. But I, I think it's very genuine with Shanahan. Remember, Shanahan made his bones as an offensive coordinator before the San Francisco 49ers hired him away from the, the Atlanta Falcons. And that Falcons offense that year led the league in scoring, yards, I mean, rushing, passing, everything else. So the guys. 
He's got the offensive mind, and I think this game here is it's going to be entertaining as heck. Two offensive gurus going toe-to-toe. Obviously, he was... He, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons team that led the Patriots 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Yes. Earlier that season, the regular season, the Chiefs went to Atlanta and beat them. That was the famous pick-two game Eric by, by Eric Berry. So, After uh, his pick-six earlier. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, just a, a quick thing on, on, on that, to clarify that pass to Chris Conley. Patrick only ran 35.7 yards on that, but to your point... That was all in the backfield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, the 64 yards, it, minus 27. So it was basically the same amount he ran right. behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> right, right. Okay, Cameron Humphrey says, uh, I believe the winner of the game will come down to who wins a turnover battle. Your thoughts? Um, I kind of think so, especially if you think it's going to be an even game. The odds makers certainly think that. Was it a? It start, opened at one and a half. Chiefs, and I've seen it down to one. Usually, so you think about a game, a football game having – 10, 11 possessions, each score touchdown, say, on three or four of them, field goals on one or two of them. You know, I just see it's so even that it, it might come down to who gives away a possession. It, it might, and this is sort of a, a, a thing that's, oddly enough, maybe underappreciated about Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't throw interceptions. I mean, he's thrown five this season. And none in the playoffs. And none in the playoffs. And, you know, I'm sure right away we'll get somebody saying, well, you just jinxed that. There are no jinxes. <laughs> there are no jinxes. Well, we can go as on uh, what we see here in the material world. Um, but, but, but look, Pat, that's part of what the Chiefs are about. And that's why, you know, it's funny. I mean, anytime there's been a fumble that the Chiefs have lost, you know, it's, it's like a tremor through, through uh, the land because it, it's really out there for them to do that. They... Right. they they value the ball as much as any team I've ever seen, and, and it's, it's uh, treated as such, and because it's treated as such, I think it, it plays out that way. That being said, the way these games can go, we all know this. I keep going back to the, the Baltimore-Tennessee um, game. T- uh, Ravens driving on that first, first series. Ball gets tipped. And picked. Interception. Yeah. It, not because of the quarterback. It's just one of those things. And that, I believe that sort of started a chain reaction. And that happens in any game. So, you know, luck's, luck's got to be on your side a little bit. You know, it's funny when, when the Chiefs come close to, when Mahomes comes close to throwing interceptions, I gasp. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, what's, what's sort of business as usual for everybody else, you know, uh, a ball that might get tipped or... Um, or just, you know, he's, you know, he's pressured, he throws it uh, into, he's, he's great at throwing it away, but sometimes he'll throw it into, you know, an, a, what he thinks is an empty space. There might be a defender closer to it than the Chiefs player. It's, go, oh, my That's, goodness. Which is so different than what we thought. Remember, I, if we could ever find those stats, no need to really find them, our predictions uh, before his first season, <laughs> I think it, the, the touchdown-interception ratio would have been, the, the consensus yes. out of us would have been something like, 31 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. Yeah. We thought it was going to be like that. Mm-hmm. It was not like that then, and it's not even less like that now. Um, okay, Vasu Rayel, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Hasn't heard Suggs' name, Terrell Suggs' names much. Looked like he was you know, a factor in the playoffs. What's been his impact, and what's his role for the Super Bowl? One of the roles he has is he's one of the very few guys in that locker room that's been in a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think when you think of his impact, it doesn't show up in the stat sheets, but he's very active out there. He's commanding a lot of double teams. He's setting the edge. And remember, it goes down to your individual responsibilities. What does a defensive coordinator expect you to do? And he's doing his job. By doing his job, he's allowing the others around him 
to flow to the football. So don't get caught up in what he's doing in the box score because this is a team game here. And I think to his credit, he understands what he was brought here to do, and he's doing it. I can't remember if he got credit for a half tackle or part of a tackle or the tackle, but there was one play that stands out to me. It was Chris Jones had back-to-back tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, third quarter, maybe, was it? When we started seeing him play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play more. yeah. But it was completely Suggs turning the play inside. And I think he maybe even started the tackle and Chris finished it. But uh, it, that, to me, is a sort of symbolic of what he's been able to do. And just a little more in, in view there. Yeah. Um, Terrence Warner Robinson says, Kyle Shanahan has a great track record of producing running backs, but passing offense isn't that great. Um, the year in Atlanta, he produced Freeman's best, se- best seasons ever, ever, as well as Coleman, who's now in San Francisco with him. But he hasn't elevated the passing offense. Um, I'll tell you, I, well, Garoppolo, I think, is also sort of a limited player. He's not a, um, he, I, maybe somewhere in the middle of the pack of NFL quarterbacks. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he's, maybe he's better. I think he had a 102 quarterback rating this year, which uh, does that make him a product of the offense or... I think it was something like 26 or 27 touchdown passes, 12, 12 interceptions, but, a, but a, a nice quarterback rating. Let's just talk about Garoppolo for a little bit. What, what do we know about him, and um, you know, what, 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 kind of, what, what kind of threat is he to the Chiefs? When I think of Jimmy Garoppolo, I think of one word. He's a winner. You know, I think what helps him out, too, is the fact that, and I know Chiefs fans hate to hear Tom Brady's name, but he had the opportunity to learn under one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and Tom Brady. He goes to San Francisco, he, he's a winner again. The ACL injury derailed him, but he comes back this year. Remember, he's just a year removed, a year and a half removed from a torn ACL, and he led the 49ers to the number one seed, and now knocking on the door for a league championship. Of course, it's got to go through the Chiefs. I think he's a good quarterback. He plays within that system, and he doesn't do anything that he's not asked to do. Because when you've got a trio of running backs like that, you don't need to step out of your comfort zone. I think he gives the, the 49ers offense what they want him to do. Okay, let's talk about a couple of uh, Chiefs 49ers or Chiefs San Francisco connections. First one is uh, D Ford. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be a big storyline, I think, early next week when, when D Ford makes, is, is available to all the media. There's already been some conversations with Ford with reporters uh, since the NFC title game. And uh, the one that I saw, you know, D. Ford admits that he messed up in the AFC title game last year when he lined up offsides to, to nullify the, the interception by Charverius Ward that might have clinched the game for the Chiefs. Can't say it did, but it would have, but it, it might have. Um, but I thought Mitchell Schwartz had a, had a good thought about this yesterday when asked, kind of point blank by Todd Lebo at, at Sports Radio 810, um, do you all, did the Chiefs blame D. Ford for the loss last year? Yeah, and, and Mitchell Schwartz, as, as many of you would know, and, and as we have experienced, is one of the most thoughtful guys on this team and very smart and, and uh, takes on questions like that and, and really gave a thoughtful answer that I think ought to be something everybody considers as they, as they think about how to look at D. Ford, think about how the Chiefs view him. Um, be sure to read Blair's story on that today. Just Google Mitchell Schwartz and D. Ford. He talked about a few things. It's never one play, and we know that in football. Um, B, to your point, we don't know that that would have sealed the game. I mean, I think the term we've all stuck with is likely would have or potentially would have, probably would have, um, in conjunction with coin tosses and such. Um, but, the, but the other thing he brought up that, that hasn't been discussed that much, um, and we don't really have the answer to, but he introduced it into something we should consider, is 
the idea that Tom Brady may not have thrown that ball if he didn't anticipate that the penalty was coming, that it was he looked that Brady might have looked at that as a free play. Um, that makes the interception look different, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And we treat it as the, inter- the penalty negated the interception. We might also consider looking at it as the interception came because of the penalty. I mean, it, it, and I, we'd have to, I'd have to study it yet more. And I don't know if you guys have to a point where you could say what Brady saw or didn't see. But I, but I think that's a very interesting thing to look at. And I do think we have to all remember no one play or one person loses a game. Sometimes it comes to symbolize it, though. Mm-hmm. And that's what D. Ford's going to be sure. dealing with this next couple of weeks. That's right. It's kind of a Bill Buckner play. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, that's right. Well, I, I did go back and look at the play just to remind myself. Um, if, if, if Brady saw the flag and, and reacted to it with the play, it wasn't a great decision because it was it was to Gronkowski. Just it, it was over. It was an overthrown ball to Gronkowski near the line of scrimmage. So it wasn't like he was taking a chance in the end zone. Um, and it was it was a play. It was, it was a third and ten play. And it wouldn't have gotten a first down. Uh, but the Patriots were down four. It would have gotten them maybe four or five yards and would have set up maybe a fourth and five if, um, you know, if there had been no flag. Uh, and and it, look, if no flag and, and, the, and, the, um, and the play gets run without any sort of uh, ulterior factor here, maybe if he completes the pass to Gronkowski, it goes for about four or five yards and the Patriots get a fourth and five. And who knows what happens. There was a minute left in the game. But yeah, look, D. Ford is. Um, he talked about it after the game, the day after the game last year. He spent time in front of his locker room talking, well, locker talking about it. And the thing I remember most, though, is I don't. Uh, pardon me for not knowing who to credit for this, but there was that clip of D. Ford on the sideline, and he's asking somebody. They're saying I was offside, and and the part I always remember was, was I? Uh, just, yeah, just piercing. And I know a lot of people don't feel bad for him necessarily, but I do. I, I, I it's, it shouldn't have happened. I don't know spatially how he, how he did that, but it was something he was doing all season, and didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. get flagged for much. Okay. The other connection, and that's why I, I, I said the Chiefs and San Francisco is um, Andy Reid started his coaching career actually as a graduate assistant at BYU. He spent one year, I think it was 1982, as a BYU graduate assistant where he had played offensive line for uh, Lavelle Edwards. But starting in 1983, he joined the staff at San Francisco State. I wonder if it is a university, San Francisco State University, I wonder. Um, but anyway, he starts his coaching career at San Francisco State, so he knows the Bay Area. He knows the Bay Area. He was there three years. It's a Division two. Now defunct Division II non-scholarship program, and among the stories that keeps sort of resurfacing is that Andy, on a three-man staff, was there with Dirk Cutter in 1985, who would also go on to be an NFL head coach. It's just kind of amazing. Um, but their careers kind of had uh, escalated with each other in some ways. But the, the fun stuff, Blair and I were talking about this yesterday, it, it never gets old thinking about the, the, the early roots of these guys. And at that point, Andy Reid's job included uh, fundraising by grilling hot dogs uh, amid <laughs> campus protests, uh, with students lying down to play dead as, the, alar- as the, the alarms blared on campus, and driving state car number 15 around to do recruiting and stuff like that, and, um, and 10-hour bus rides, right? And, yeah. and you know, for $22,000 a year. But Andy will tell you that that. It was a very valuable experience, and part of it, I think we've seen this in different, uh, any profession, right, where you're called on to do all these things, 
because there's only three or four of you, then you develop further skill set and you just kind of learn how to manage problems. And, and uh, so it, from there, Andy went to Northern Arizona for a year, but then he got sort of another break going to um, Texas El Paso because Dirk Cutter was with Bob Stullstaff there. And then they ended up at the University of Missouri. And then another one of the connections from the Bay Area, Mike Holmgren, circles back and brings Andy into the NFL with the Packers. So it's just kind of six degrees of separation stuff. So when Andy Reid uh, mentions Vahe by name, as he did coming uh, into, the, <laughs> into the locker room area after Sunday's uh, AFC title game, it goes back to the Missouri, uh, the Missouri years for it Andy. It does. And for whatever reason, at, so I was covering Missouri a lot in the late 80s, early 90s, and Andy was an assistant coach then. And back in those days, the assistant coaches were accessible and, and <laughs> would stop and talk to you. And Andy, it was understood, kind of was just chatting. It wasn't, you know, interview stuff a lot of times, but you, you, mm -hmm. you talk. And he's a funny guy, and you see his real personality in ways we don't see now. And so invariably, when Andy has reason to refer back to the Missouri days, he starts talking about, you know, back when we were in spandex. And I'm like, Andy, I wasn't in spandex. <laughs> you were. <laughs> With tiger prints on Right. <laughs> so Vahe wrote about that. It's in, it's in today's star and on, online at KansasCity.com. Herbie wrote about the, the 49ers running game also in today's star and on um, KansasCity.com. Kyle Coffey, good morning to you. What's the timeline for next week? Media day, travel, team broadcast. Herbie, you're, you're a veteran of covering Super Bowls. <laughs> so um, uh, you uh, take us through the uh, – what, what are the Chiefs going down and what are the sort of the big media days for, for next week? Well, the Chiefs will fly out as well as the San Francisco 49ers. They will land in Miami on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. So there will be uh, photo opportunities and TV camera type opportunities, and then it all kicks off in full bloom on Monday with media night. And this is where fans actually pay to watch us ask players questions. So that, that's what a whole is that? hour long. What is that concept? <laughs> and then the Chiefs will start practicing on Tuesday through uh, Thursday, we will not be able to watch that, though, because the NFL assigns pool reporters to cover the AFC and the NFC. Uh, my pal Jenny Varentes is the NFC pool reporter. My understanding, Dan Pompey is the AFC pool reporter, and also Lindsey Jones will help him out there. Herbie, it is interesting, by the way. I don't know if you know why, but why is it that the NFL does not assign beat writers that normally cover the team to be a pool reporter? Do you know anything about what, I, I, what the reasoning is? I don't know the reasoning behind that, but I do know that that's something that has always brought up because we know the team. We know the players. We, we know what to look for. Yeah. Exactly. Um, most of the times the, the, the national pool reporters will let us, you know, they'll write notes on practice, but they won't know exactly mm -hmm. who some of the players are. You know, the key thing is for us, because we're not covering the practice, the injury reports will come out two hours after practice is over, and the NFL has to approve the pool report before we see it. But there's going to be a lot of media availability for the players. I think fans, the fan experience, you definitely want to go enjoy that. Uh, they have a lot of static displays out there dealing with the National Football League and a look back at all the Super Bowls that have happened before this one. So it, it's a good experience for us. We're going to be working our tails off. Yeah, I'm counting on that. I'm counting on that. Keith uh, Scally, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Keith. Don't forget it. Don't forget about Andy Reid's record coming off a bye. Take that into account. Yeah. It, it is interesting, it, though. It's phenomenal. What I don't remember is in Super Bowl uh, in 2005, was that a two-week uh, Super Bowl? Uh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, no, it's I'm been pretty, that way for a long time. Yeah, it has uh, been that yeah. way for, for a long okay. time. And, and um, 
and, and the, obviously the Eagles lost to the Patriots. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I do know it, it has been like that because of even Patrick Mahomes talked about it yesterday, how getting your tickets set up and everything. And I've talked to a couple of Eagles players in recent days, and they all said the same thing. It was take care of your tickets, take care of your family on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday you hit the practice field, and then the weekend you're off. The, the Chiefs are going to try to get as much done as possible this week. They're going to game plan for the 49ers this week because next week, with all the gazillions of media obligations, so many distractions, you want to take care of everything before you fly to Miami. I used to think it's just too long, but of course now that we're in the eye of the storm, I'm thinking, well, you, you can see why. Yeah. Imagine if this were Thursday of game week already after, after oh. everything and it's pressing for, for them the time frame of everything they'd have to get done. It just wouldn't make any sense. Right. Yep. Okay, this is where we give uh, Tammy and Shelly a heads up because we're going to talk about our favorite segment, Where the Rubber Meets the Road. And, um, and because there's not a game this week, we'll not pick our players that have to perform, have to come up big for the Chiefs to win the game. But you have receipts from last week, though, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just checking. <laughs> yeah, I got a bad rap last week. No, no I didn't. I actually, that was on purpose to get my guy uh, some pub. Uh, let's go. Let's review. Let's review our picks from last week, though. Um, Herbie, who'd you have? Who was your rubber meets the road? I, I stole yours from the previous week. I went with Daniel Sorensen, who had a good game, had a big hit in that game, seven tackles. Yep. Hey, hit, rubber met the road with Daniel Sorensen. How about you, Bye? I don't know. Oh, I must have had Tyron. Uh, <laughs> yes, you did. I did have Tyron, and uh, he was he was a, a nice factor oh, in the game. Absolutely, eight eight um, tackles. And it wasn't as good as my pick the week before of, of McCole Hardman, who peeled out to make the rubber meet the road yes, he on did. a kickoff return, even though that was second to your <laughs> Daniel Sorensen pick then. Left some rubber on the road. Uh, <laughs> McCole Hardman did. Uh, mine last week was uh, Damian Williams. Um, got into the end zone, had, had a touchdown run. I believe Sam McDowell had... Um, Reggie Ragland. Reggie Ragland, so not, not a bad pick. Uh, uh, I, I, I know it was hard. Ragland didn't have great stats, but I, it was a good idea for a pick. And, and Sam Mellinger, I cannot remember. It was Kelsey or Hill? You, I think it was Hill. If it was, it was Hill, Hill yeah. Sam's the winner for uh, two touchdown receptions. Keep in mind, uh, Patrick Mahomes is off limits in, <laughs> in these discussions. We, we, don't, uh, we don't go there. So for this week, again, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll defer our picks uh, for Rubber Meets the Road a week from now. But what we will do... Uh, is provide some idea of how we think the game is going to go. We're going to pick a winner and maybe a score or an area where we think the score will be, and then compare it to next week, how we feel about this a week from now. So I'll get it started, okay? I'll, I, I'm going to pick the Chiefs in, in a really close game of something like um, you know, 31-28. Uh, I do think a high-scoring game, and I think a high-scoring game does favor the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is, is going to continue his postseason, you know, magical run here. Herbie, what do you think? We know this is going to be a close game. The Vegas odds makers, who, who typically nail these point spreads, has, has the Chiefs favored by one point. And, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be very close. I also believe it's going to be a high-scoring game because the 49ers can score. You look at 37 points against the Packers, 40-plus points against the Saints. They can score points. Yeah. We haven't talked about their defense. They, they have a good defense. Uh, yes, it does. They, San Francisco is really good defense. But I think the Chiefs will come out of this game. I'm going to pick a score 31-28. I'm going to three points. And, and the reason why I'm going to pick the Chiefs is because there's a lot of emotions going into this game. 
coaching staff, players, want to see Andy Reid finally win the Super Bowl. And I think they do it here. It's funny. I, 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 before you guys said anything, I, I was thinking 31-27. You guys both said 31-28. We did. Um, and another a question to that is this, this is not our final answer. It is not. No, 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 no. That's why we're um, going to measure. After we hear players and coaches next week, then see if our minds have changed about it. We have the pulse of the game. The pulse of the game. Yeah. That's right. Um, but I, I do. I feel like I feel like the Chiefs will will pull through and it'll be close. You know, the last Super Bowl I covered was 20 years ago, the Rams and the Titans won Kansas City's Mike Jones. Yes, he came down the last play that that was stopping uh, yeah. Steve McNair at the goal line. I, I anticipated coming down to that same kind of thing. Oh, you must stay 31-27 just so yep. we can have something to compare it to. Okay, yep. very good. What's the over-under? What was Vegas said on the over-under? Gosh, I can't remember. I don't know I, what I it can't, is. I can't remember. We'll, we'll, uh, if Sam McDowell was here, he would, he would have that off the top of his head. Um, uh, you mentioned Mike Jones. There is a Kansas City High School player in the Super Bowl, and uh, not just Xavier Williams from Grandview, but uh, uh, San Francisco's Elijah Lee. Went to Blue Springs. Uh, he's from Blue Springs. I'm not sure which Blue Springs high school he went to, and uh, went to Kansas State. Where did he go to school? <laughs> oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, along with, with, sir. Along with 49ers uh, cornerback DJ Reed. Yep. So, yep. Yep. So Byron Pringle got a little K-State uh, reunion in the Super Bowl this year. So. One other local angle, and, and it's an interesting one, is is Katie Sowers of the 40, 49ers coaching tell us, staff. Tell us about her because you have written about her. I've written about her. Uh, Katie Sowers is from Heston, Kansas. Um, she is the first woman to coach in the Super Bowl. She's the first openly gay coach um, in the Super Bowl. And she's quite an interesting person um, who, you know, sort of improbable roots, central Kansas coming to this. But, but part of her path along the way was through former Chiefs GM Scott Pioli, who's been a big advocate of, of uh, women and minorities and, right. and, and getting a chances. Um, and she also played uh, semi-pro football here in Kansas City. Um, wow. So that, and it's my understanding, I've never seen it myself, but it's been referred to that she has a, um, some kind of Kansas City iconography tattooed on her, on uh. her arm. So it, it's an interesting uh, aspect of this game that I'm sure will gather more attention as we get closer. Okay. Uh, we'll leave you on a few uh, comments here. Maggie Gorman Purcell Rowling, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, says, Kansas City, we got this. Um, Chris Medley wants to know if anyone needs an assistant to go with him to the game. We'll take you. <laughs> We've had some offers. Um, I think you need your passport uh, and whatever other eye uh, <laughs> technology identification. They're pretty careful on this stuff. Yep. And our last one from Beth Welsh. Um, uh, nailed it, video team. Good to see you. Uh, Beth, we missed you. Uh, glad you were able to tune in. Hope you're feeling better. And uh, so as we, as we bow out, thanks to Tammy, to Shelly, to Mike, who set up the, every week, comes in here and sets this uh, background and backdrop up. It's uh, a lot of hard work, and we really appreciate the work that you do here, guys. Um, we will talk to you. Next time we talk to you, we'll be from sunny Miami. I hope it's sunny. South be Beach, sunny. baby, South yeah. Beach. I think the over/under on that is pretty good, and it will be warmer. We'll be sunnier than here. That's yeah. that's for sure. All right, guys, we're out. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. 
And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. That will do it for today. Thanks to Tammy Youngblood and to Shelly Yang for producing the Facebook Live and to Derek Donovan for producing the podcast. We'll be back on Friday with another episode of Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.